And here they come. Now, O'Brien, O'Neill, Conlon, White, Coleman, Bean, Riley, Cunningham, O'Donnell, Lynch, McDonald, Rose, Smith, Blood, and me and... Breaks inside to Stephen White. The one man that can do it, and he's done it! A goal for love! Paulo Hanlon, a vital touch. Now he's Stephen White to his right. This must be it! It is! I don't believe it! Kildare must be out of the list of at midfield, wearing number eight, the first all-star ever from Louth, would you welcome Paddy Keenan. Arguably the most popular of tonight's winners, Paddy has led from the front for Louth since his championship introduction in 2003. Here's a chance for Rooney! What a goal by JP Rooney! And then it's happened. Bean sends in from the sideline and Sean Cunningham finishes it to the net. Louth are in front. And here it is. Now they are all Ireland champions for the third time. Hello and welcome to the We Are Loud podcast. Uh, today it's a bit of a break from the Championship podcast, and I have a special guest. It's Colin Nally former Loud coach and a current Castle Knock trainer. I get I have a big in-depth chat with Colm about his up-and-coming book and about his entire career and co- the coaching around GA at the moment. So sit back, relax and enjoy. It's a great interview. On the show now, we have uh, Colin Nally, um, well-known coach and former goalkeeper for Loud and coach for Loud, coach teams around Loud Mead, and he's currently in Castlelock in Dublin. Colin, thanks for coming on. No problem, Dan. Thanks very much for having me. Uh, we, we have you on for the reason uh, you're plugging a book, um, <laughs> Gaelic Football Game-Based Training Activities. Um it's, it's, it's a mouthful. Yeah, it is a mouthful, and I like the way you don't have drills in it. It's uh, activities. Um, is, is, well, that, is that the way the game's going? Yes, uh, we're going away from drills. Like I'd be involved with Lancer, the Lancer Tutor Group, and, and that's that's responsible for rolling out the coaching courses around Lancer. And yeah, one of the big things is getting away from drill-based um, activities for kids and having game-based activities. So activities... The word activity is supposed to um, replace drills, so big emphasis on that. And did you did, have you found that um, you've learned more from being a player, or more from being a coach, or more from coaching coaches? Where, like, where have you found the most learning as a coach yourself? Um, definitely as a coach. Like when I was a player, I was only a goalkeeper. Now you know, <laughs> and um, like <laughs> a lot of the times at my age, when you start playing football and you're, you end up in the goals, you're in the goals for a reason, you know, so I'd be always kind of humble enough when it comes to my playing career, but definitely as a coach and the coach education part of it with Lens has been brilliant too because you're upskilling all the time in terms of what's new out in the coaching and seeing, so you can relay that back to your courses so between coaching, actually having your boots on the pitch and um, the, the coach education, that's where I would be constantly learning and it's constantly evolving Dan, always something new coming about Right. 
because I find I seen like I think I'd seen early everyone has seen the images and the diagrams on on Twitter and what have you and the way the game has gone even it's like lads are WhatsApping each other images like in like every I think every team in the county or in the country has a WhatsApp group and that's the way to share information now so you kind of tapped into that as well. Well, I tell you now, to be honest with you, um, see, again, social media and whatever would be sort of um, a little bit uh, beyond my generation. So I started, I'd always on Facebook and Twitter and that, but never really partook. And I just started out a chance tweeting some of these um, activities and to see what the response would be. And I, I'm overwhelmed by the response. But what I can't understand really is um, I taught manuals and I taught stuff that was finished. I thought everybody wanted everything through e-learning and, and through um, um, Twitter, etc. But the response was people coming back to me and saying, have you got them in the manual? Have you got them in print? Yeah. Where can we print them off? You know, So that's where the whole idea came from. It's it, it just something that grew legs right. because people are saying to me when they go down the pitch, okay, it's all right having your phone, but the phone blacks out. Right, the, the players are looking at you and they think you're making it up as you go along because you're referencing your phone. Yeah. So they actually wanted a manual so they could sit down and plan sessions or like something to bring with them. So the book is a kind of a handy size. It's ready to use on the fly. Uh, it's wire-bound and it opens 360 that you can reference it um, from your kit bag, you know that way. So yes, yes. That's where the whole thing just kind of came from, you know. That's very, that's even, that's clever in its design, like it's, you, there's a lot of empathy there, thinking about coaches and what it, what works best mm-hmm. for them, you know, because you're right, like people want to go back, like books are selling again, like even novels and all that, people want to feel the paper in their hand and they want to hold it and have it there rather than in a, like a load of files in your emails or on your phone, so having something yeah. there to hold and reference to, like something tangible where you can just flick through it, like coming home from training or before you go down even you know I find that when, when I'm coaching young lads as well you're like sometimes you're you're googling just before you go out so it is it is it's a great resource to have and it's it's a great idea um, it is now I, I sat down um, with, with Lancer and we Lancer are bringing out a new coaching principles um, pack called Churis and yes. one of the things that I was involved with them was coming up with a resource as well so they're bringing out a coaching resource so we sat down originally planning this um, around mine and we, we end up having enough um, two resources so I brought out my resource and Lens are bringing their um, resource out shortly which has a four to 56 games and activities that I've given them so um, all in all there's going to be two resources out there now shortly that'll have um, that'll be a big 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 benefit to all coaches of all ages and, and do you find uh, yourself like drawing up these drills on napkins or did it, did it just come to you in like moments of madness or? Well, um, back in the early 90s when I used to play with the Dwyers and knocking around a few of the Dublin teams, um, I used to be an usher in the dog. And part of my job was to sit up late at night on the minister's entrance. And at that stage there, all you had for company was the radio. So I used to draft all the training sessions that I'd be doing either with Dublin and um, O'Dwyer's at the time. And I still have notes going back to 1993, would you believe it? Mm-hmm. And so I always documented training and I always did it. And I progressed from having sort of notebooks to having um, folders on my um, laptop with all these activities. And that's where it all come from originally, you know? Right, right, right. So, you, you so have... as I said, to, I said to John the other day, it's kind of like a nerdy obsession, you know, that sort of stuff. But it's still reference back. And I, I think it's gas reference back 
to look at what I was doing in 1993 to what we're doing now. That's what I was going to ask. Kind of you, a has, difference. Has, there is a difference. Is there a marked change in Mass, massive difference? Well, what what is it Every, gone from to? Okay, everything was lions, straight lions. Like all your kicking activities were straight lions, and you were lined up behind three or four fellas kicking from cone to cone. Cones are directing you. Now that they, those, the cones are only your boundaries. So you're playing games within these spaces that the cones are used for, where before the cones were directing you where to go, which meant there was no thinking, there was no decision-making in your yeah, training, yeah. you know that way. Yeah. Now, you, you still need an element of that, really kind of, especially for the smaller kids to kind of develop skills, but it's ultimately you're trying to get them up to sort of game-related movements as quick as possible. So that and the fitness now is completely different, where you wouldn't be allowed sprints or march back in the 90s because for some reason, right, you had to do all these um, long aerobic runs and fast leg running, right, and it's all changed now that, where you can do all that conditioning with the ball if you have your um, games and with your GPS yeah. and stuff like that, you know how hard you're working um, in game-based training rather than just laps and laps and all that sort of stuff, you know? Yeah. And who, who's, uh, who inspired you? Who was, like, as a young coach, who, who was your inspiration or who did you take lead from? Well, Paddy Clark was one of the uh, one of my first um, that I played with loud. Paddy was kind of great with trying to be different with small sided games and and varying his training from from week to week. Bobby Doyle in Dublin, who played with um, the great Dublin teams of seventies, yeah. he was my coach with mine under twenty one, and and Bobby was kind of a flair player. Now Bobby couldn't solo the ball; he'd always catch it over the shoulder, but. Um, he was always into um, sort of the flair players. So his training was always based on kind of a bit of style and substance for, for the attacking players. So them two would be my early ones. And then, believe it or not, when myself and Colin were over the 21 for the first time, um, I, I got on great with Val Andrews. Yeah. And I always used to say to Val, I used to always like Val that um, if I could get what's in his brain out in the training field, he'd be successful because he's such a knowledgeable man. And every time I speak to him, I'd have a notebook beside me <laughs> sketching down things he's telling me because um, he just his brain is full of great ideas and I just sometimes felt he struggled to get them out but so I'd be robbing them on him, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you, even like the the likes of the World Cup now at the moment, you'd be taking inspiration from that, would you, or ideas? Yeah. Well, if you watch like Sky Sports, and Sky Sports don't have, a, don't have access to the World Cup but what they have is access to all the training grounds. So you see them doing their warm-ups you actually see the, um, some goalkeeping training. You see all that sort of stuff. So you're always robbing snippets. Now, an awful lot of coaching is plagiarism. Like, I often taught myself, I nearly came up with a drill myself or an activity, but it wasn't. It was something that inspired you. You see it on telly and you take bits of it, you know, that way. Yeah, yeah. Because I see, I, I know it was with Dublin and it's been referenced with Jason Sherlock as well, the former basketball player, that he has basketball mm-hmm. coaches. And you can see that now is uh, an influence in the, in the, in the Gaelic games. Massive. And one thing I take from the likes of them is, like Jim Garvin, he gets an awful lot of slag, slagging in the media about giving um, no information away, where he actually gives loads away. And what he always says is they practice the basics. Now, he doesn't tell you how they practice them, but they practice the basics all the time, like which is catching and kicking, you know. So they, he said they put a huge emphasis on the basics. And, and that's the right thing, because ultimately, if you have a player that kind of, you know, can process the basics better than everybody else, well, that gives you the best start, you know. Yeah, do you find you have a drill you always go back to? Or sorry, an activity you always go back to? Yeah, I've I've two or three activities. Uh, I actually put them in the book. I didn't tweet them. And um, I love um, for smaller kids. I love the handling games that's in the, the manual, and that's where it's kind of something like basketball, where they're just throwing the ball high, 
and they're catching the play, they're throwing the ball off the hip, and catching it off the hip, where they're bouncing the ball. Now, they're handling games, but they're handling game-based. So they're getting the movement that they get in games, and they're playing against their peers. So they learn skills, not from a coach throwing a, a, a ball 60 feet in the air, you know that way? Yes, um, yes. I played it. My favourite session game is a game called the Wild Pass game, where you have four neutral players who are static, and they play with whatever's in possession the ball. And that's the, my best game for getting players to lift their heads. Because that's the most important um, aspect, I think, that in a young fella is if you can get his head lifted at an early age, you know, you're halfway there. Because it's so frustrating when you go into adult teams and players won't lift their head. Yeah, it's very hard to change yeah. them. Yeah, you can spot you know, that. Bit, yeah, you can spot a lad who yeah. who nearly played at lower level. He's he's the one lad in the team that solos the ball all the time. Absolutely. And then when he comes to senior, it's first touch. It's look there and get get it get a solo even even if he's in oceans of space or there's a pass on you can see that in players like yeah yeah and, and that's I love that game because I suspend the touches in it so what they have to do is they've got options and their options are their short passes and their wall passes are their long passes so they're getting their catching their kicking their hand passing all in a game based activity you know so that, that they're like they'd be my especially for younger players they'd be my favourite game uh, of developing skills and movement and spatial awareness and decisions you know. Do you do you notice uh, like in say kids at the moment? Do you notice maybe that they're they're not as say uh, flexible or they're not as wiry as kids as used to be? You know, have you found um, the PlayStation influence and the the iPad and all that has has an influence on the, this younger generation, or is it the same? Massively, right? Massively. See, um, like when we were involved in coach Ed, like um, about 10, twelve years ago, there was a huge push on. Not only the GAA, it was the IRFU and it was the FAI to introduce the nursery systems. And the reason the nursery systems were introduced was because they had to replicate the movement that you and I would have done as a kid that today's kids aren't doing. You know, like, so you'd be running and jumping, climbing trees out there, probably in colour. Right? And I was the same down the canals in Balbriggan. But the kids aren't doing that anymore. Like, number one, we're too protected. We don't let them out. We're always watching what the, where they are, yeah. who they're playing with. Right, um, and number two, they're playing um, PlayStation. They don't even watch tell you anymore. Everyone's watched via YouTube and whatever. So you always have the voice in the hand. So the nursery systems are introduced um, in in all our clubs to kind of replicate that movement. That they're not getting from just general play anymore. Yeah, yeah. Which is it's it's kind of sad in it's in one way, isn't it? Like, it, it, well, but the thing about it is, it's very sad, but it, 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 it's something that you have to kind of, you just can't ignore, you have to sort of tackle. It's just the way the generations have gone, and they know no different, you know, so um, that and diet is, is, is incredible. I think an awful lot of the children, you know, people are so busy with their lifestyles now, and an awful lot of kids are just, they're just eat on the go, so they're not getting the proper diet either, and that's another area that's kind of contributing to it, I feel. Right, right. Yeah, no, because I noticed that myself. You can see it, like in the younger players, and the numbers are nearly dwindling off. And it, yeah, you know, yeah. so at least, at least, like you said, there is something being done about it. Something proactive, like the nursery clubs, like the nursery mm-hmm. within every clubs. What, like, what do you find is the biggest obstacle then uh, for adult players when when you're coaching them? Did they, is there always a smart aleck that upsets the drill, or what? What do you find? Is there any funny stories or? Well, you know what I find, right? Um, and and this is this is what I found as I got older and I've coached um, several different teams. The dynamics of every group is the same, believe it or not. Dan. So what you have is you've got ultra committed players, right? You've got your fly by nights who can take it or leave it, 
You've got your skillful players, right, who um, don't believe in doing the hard work, you know. Yeah. You've got your fellas that are always injured. Right? You've got the fellas that, you know, have a few bob and are always going on holidays. Every team is the same, right? And if I was to sit down and, and write out about the cast not players, you probably think I'm talking about the Cullen players, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's the same way. You've got the fellas that have the tempers, right, that just fly off the handle. So what I've learned over, to, over the years is that is, you know, when you go into a new group, You've experienced all this before. You've experienced a fellow that answers back. You've, defe- you've experienced a fellow that snaps at the rest. You've experienced a fellow who pot shots all the time when you've asked him not to. You know, so your, your man management skills you know, are kind of honed as you get older because of that. You know? But every team, in my eyes, every group, the dynamics of a group is the same. You've always got the same characters. You've always got the two or three that are challenging. You know, that, you look, listen. Um, you like being challenged. In every. Isn't it? Uh, I don't mind. Once it's the right, once it's challenged about sort of fact in terms of you're trying to play a system and they're questioning the system, I've no problem with that. But I mean, if they're questioning sort of, see, look, in that, if every every gathering of nine or ten people, right, there'll be two or three people that kind of just don't like you. Now that's not, um, that's just life. You know, that's yeah. just that's just the way groups are. That you, you, everybody can't like you, so you're going to have a kind of a little bit of a sort of clash with some fellas. I tell you, handle that clash. But they're asking about um, sort of um, systems and tactics. That's fine because you have to back that up a fact. But if they're questioning it and just for the sake of questioning it and to cause trouble, well, I, I wouldn't. I kind of wouldn't entertain that end of it, you know. Right. But I'd never have a problem with a player coming and saying, "Listen, I don't believe we should play a sweeper. I don't believe we should drop ten or twelve, you know." And because and I'd listen to him and I'd ask him like, "What did you think then? And why not, etc.?" You know, because ultimately, it, we we I really feel on match days. We contribute two or three percent to it as coaches and managers. It's up, it's up to the players, you know, and um, their work is done off the field on the Tuesday and Thursday. But on match day, they're the ones that are playing it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so you mentioned the sweeper there. Like, is, is there, is there this, the, the real answer in this book of how to break down a blank of defence? Is it in? Yes, is it, there it, is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> well, look. What I've done is I've brought the book into three sections, right? And the first section is, um, again, bear in mind, it's all sort of um, game-based um, um, games. So the first section is warm-up games. The second session is um, session games. And this is where, you know, the session games and warm-up games would be kind of honing their skills. And the third um, section, which is the largest section, is attacking and defending. So me being a goalkeeper, I always feel that the goalkeeper should be integrated as much as possible into the game. So what I have is this, I always believe it's a two sides coach. So if I'm coaching a blanket defence, I want the coach how to break it down. Yeah. And likewise, if I'm coaching how to blanket break down a blank defence, I want the coach how to, you know, defend with a blanket. So there's games there like how to beat a blanket defence and there'll be um progressions for the the attackers and for the defenders. But ultimately what I'd be saying to everybody is like um like I put a few um, sort of coaching tips in it, and one of my favourite coaching t- tips came from L- Jorgen Klopp, where it's option and protection. When you have the ball, everybody must be an option for him, and when you lose the ball, you must be protecting something. And that's ultimately where a lot of my coaching comes from now, where I, I'd be kind of both options when we're attacking right, and protection when we're not. And it's a good visual. Fellas can um, snap into that straight away. Like, like as a coach, you must actually love the the blanket defense and the whole talk about it because it gives you like, gives you something to get your teeth into and how to work it out and how to how to coach players to break it down and what have you. Look, it's it, it's brilliant, right? And when you, um, I look sometimes, and I'm not going to, um, like, I could watch um, 
Fermanagh play um, in that uh, play Tyrone or whatever, and it'd be a ten twelve, and I'd enjoy that match where people are coming out and giving us things about. It. I I would enjoy that yeah. because you're seeing a team trying to um, sort of. And stifle another team, and you're seeing another team trying to and um, sort of break that down, and you're looking at the frustrations of both, and you're looking at who's done what work and the playing the field, and yeah, I would love that, but ultimately what you're looking at is, is like, for instance, in Dublin is brilliant. I I go down, I I, I was in Dublin header the weekend, like yourself there, and it's fantastic. But what happens in Loud is everybody knows everybody so well, right? and even the coaches know everybody so well. So that mad mass and people, they've got all this planned in advance. But I'm in Dublin now. Um, when you're playing the league, a lot of it's on the hoof. You have to think on your feet. You have to see within five minutes what way they're playing yeah, and yeah. see can you adapt. And that's difficult because, you know, you don't really know everybody so well in, in Dublin. And it's difficult, that is. But that's another challenge, which is great. So you're kind of adapting to what you see. And it nearly make it would make the Dublin players, club footballers, better footballers because they're thinking on the fly. You know, they're actually problem-solving. Dublin, Dublin football is crazy because um, every time you go and play, like we played Thomas Davis um, last week in the league, and um, Dave, uh, Dave, um, one of the Leitrim corner forwards playing. Now, nobody knows anything about him except for his Leitrim corner forward, right? So after five minutes, you decide, okay, right, this fella has to go on him, or this fella has to try to stop him, right? And and but next week he might play for Thomas Davis. That's what's crazy about Dublin. They've got huge panels, and fellas are all away in J1s are playing with counties and they come back in like in Castle Rock we've a Limerick corner forward we've a Westmead corner forward yeah. and then we've obviously got Pierron you know now I don't I didn't have them guys for large parts of the season you know so again you've always got something up your sleeve and likewise teams have always got something up their sleeve against you yeah do you find mm-hmm. do you find that uh, like Castle Rock now are your greatest guinea pig or was it the Blues on the 21 team or which which team like have you used for this boot and early the most um, believe, believe it or not, um, different teams in different sections. For instance, um, like even the other day, I went down to the um, to train the Blues from the 11s for the lads just to try out a few things to see whether you're capable of doing some of these games, you know, that way. Yeah. So I would use various things now. And not a lot of the stuff that I would have done with Cloud last year is in the book because that's, that's the pinnacle. When you get a county team and, um, and the games that you're training, training goes well, Right, you really see it at its best, and and the, so that's the pinnacle, right? So I would say, right, that's brilliant. So the top players can play this, and the top players get it, and there's less coaching under top players. So again, it's a good game. I would, I would, I'd love to test it at the highest level first, and then say, right, there's loads of learning in that, and that's suitable for um, lower um, um, kids or younger kids and younger or, or, or club players or whatever. So yeah, I would every chance I get, I would test it with sort of county players if I could. And why do you, why do you think the blanket defence gets such a bad press? Like I I often think about there's two things that I can relate to. You have it in basketball where you have your five fouls. People are cynical and they get your free throws. The the game's like clocked at the very end, and then you have like everyone loves all Italian defending. I don't. Yeah. Why is there not enough value in like a tense game like a Fermanagh against Donegal or Monaghan? Why is that slightly okay, no. there? To know what I think, right? I think myself, right? Like, I think an awful lot comes down to language. Now, I wouldn't, I try not to use the language as blanket defence, like, because I try to say to the fellas that ultimately you're setting up like this to win the ball back to attack. 
you know, yeah, and yeah. that generally, like the, the, like I know that like the Fermanagh needs will be going sort of a double whammy to keep the score down, but ultimately they're trying to suck you into their web so they can win the ball and break. So I think language has an awful lot of negative connotations to it, like blanket defence, or extra defenders, double sweepers, like all that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think ultimately, like, like when I like to play a sweeper, or when we use a sweeper, it's for offensive reasons. It's to kind of set us up, right? And the minute we have the ball, we want the fella breaking the line from deep. So you're putting that sort of attacking emphasis on it, and players buy into that quicker then, right? Because they feel that they're not um, sort of part of this negative approach. Yeah, yeah. So I think language has a lot to do with it. But like to do that, Brian, right, um, like to, to coach blanket defences and sweepers is very difficult because people get wrong press lines. They drop too deep, so good teams can pick off points from long distance. Yeah. You know, so it's not as easy as that. So when you see a, um, a team that's adapting the press lines and they're moving back and forward, um, like that's really positive. Like an awful lot of teams play sweepers from 14, and they want them pushing up in their kickers. And then when they push up in the kickers, don't win the kickers. They just turn their back to play and um, drop, try, um, sprint back. Right, but that that's very clever. You know that way. Good teams will decipher that very very quickly and break it. But where a guy is dropping maybe from 10 or 12, okay, and he's sitting there um, either in front of the full-back line or behind the half-hour line ready to break, that adds a little bit more to it, you know that way? Yeah. So there's loads of different ways, and it's how he's coached. And it's too easy just to say, I want 14 behind the ball without coaching it, without playing in games, because that won't work. It'll break down. The good teams will break it down. Yeah, yeah. I suppose... Or the better coach teams. Yeah, so language, yeah, it's, I, I'd agree. And then on top of that, you have the likes of Pat Spillane and Joe Brawley using that language on a national scale, which doesn't help Doesn't help either, like probably no. young coaches like yourself. It doesn't. No. But see, these lads, in fairness, right, they're just making throwaway comments about the likes of Loud and Leishman. They don't know, actually. They're not at the club games. They're not watching what you and I are watching. They're not thinking that, like, maybe we're doing this for a reason. Maybe this yeah. suits us best. Yeah. You know, and like I know as well as you probably know too. I know what it's like to be standing on the sideline or standing in the goal, getting some hiding, and it's the worst place the world to be. And you know, you always make it a, a, a kind of a statement yourself. I'm not going through this again. Yeah, you know, and that's where an awful lot of this comes from. You know, and as as a goalkeeper, do goalkeepers make the best coaches, or are you, are you going to be biased? <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't do well. Billy Morgan was uh, was a good coach, and he's um, he was a goalkeeper. No, I don't necessarily like that. I think I think it's just um, when you're in goals, you do have the advantage of kind of seeing plays develop in front of you, watching uh, what corner backs do, watching what corner forwards do. You know, like I mean, I used to always part of my coaching would be um, when like I, I when even like the Nancy boys, I'd be asking JP Rooney what's the last thing he looks at before he finishes, and I'd be getting him to. Um, explain that to fellas because he did it I didn't <laughs> you know that okay yeah. so again I'd be using a lot of players like um, to, to, to give samples you know of, of their experience and I felt like watching players down through the years you'd see some great bits of skill you'd see like for instance midfielders what way do they want the ball kicked where do they want to start from what's the preference like I can ask all them questions because you know that's what inter- interested me when I was playing and what, so, what do you make you have an advantage what do you make of Stephen Cluxton then have you were you did they tell you to just kick it out long back in the day or did you want to be Stephen Cluxton? Well, see, when I played, I, um, I remember when I moved down to the Blues, like um, we had some good midfielders and Paul Kelly and, and fellas of that, so they could take the ball just kick straight out to them. But um, 
sometimes, you know, you would try to that, but not to that level that they were doing. But interesting enough about that is um, there's a fella called Gary Matches now who I deal with. He has uh, he owns a company called the Green Ball Company. Yeah, it's actually his son. <laughs> his son is on, was on the on the twenty team, was he? The Dublin on the twenty. Yeah, team. I yeah. think so. Yeah. yeah. But Gary was Stephen, one of Stephen Cluxton's first coaches, and they bought. Um, a, a weighted ball from Italy that they use in, in, in Italian soccer. And that's where this notion came from. When Stephen Cluxton started training with a sort of a, it was a futsal, it was a heavier football. And that's where they started developing, right, his accuracy, number one. But then before that, a goalkeeper called Michael Savage played between Vincent yeah. when they won the All Ireland. He's still playing at the minute. And Pat Gilroy was the manager. And that's where that kicker strategy came from. And they developed it in Dublin between the green, the, the weighted ball and between Gary Matches. And, and look, they brought it to a massive new level. But even look at goalkeepers now with the Graham Brody and, and fellas like that um, playing as an extra player now. Yeah. Like the goalkeeping position is evolving. That I reckon in two or three years you won't have actually natural goalkeepers playing. There'll be outfield players playing and goals. Yeah, I was thinking that even uh, mm. Craig Lynch came out the field against the Blues the weekend, and he was he was like he, he actually intercepted the ball into the full forward line. He did, yeah. You know, so it is, and he yeah, can play right. football. Like, yeah, he, he really can is, play I football. Feel, yeah. You know, yeah. But see, look, they have like it, it makes sense because I, I like going back to a little bit with like, your blanket defense. I'd always coach my keepers and saying like, nowadays every match you walk off the field without making a save is a good match for you. That means you're organised your defense and you know you're protected. So if you're not making saves or you're not um, having shots peppered against you, you're probably not as much needed. You know, yeah. where if you had a fella has um, an accurate kick out can break a line coming out of defence, that gives you an overlap for the, um, up the field straight away. And that's the way it's going. And everything's based on possession now. Like, everything, it, at the level, like, for instance, you look at the Blues and Monster um, um, uh, Boyster today, whoever won the kick-out got a shot away, right? Yeah. which is amazing. So if the Blues got the kick-out away, they get a shot away. If the Jocks got the kick-out, they get a shot away. Or vice versa, if they turn over a kick-out, they get a shot away. So the kick-outs are massive now. Yeah, like it's it's just I always would say it's like a restart of basketball. Absolutely, you know you get it out. Um, Colin, absolutely, there's loads there. Um, how how right. how is the book being received? Flying. There's um we got we got about a thousand copies printed just to test the water, and there's about six hundred gone already there now, and it's not even on sale two weeks. Wow, right. So where where, know, can, now, where can people get the book? Well, you can get it from myself. Number one, contact me. Or oh, we set up an email, um, a, a Gmail, just called Gaelic Football um, Training Manual at gmail.com. And you get a bounce back mail from that explaining um, what to do. It just, it's just an out of office, a bounce back telling you um, what's the options and whether to collect, whether to um, put money in the bank, whether to, um, you know, stuff like that. There's an option for clubs to buy um, 11 manuals for the price of 10. So that, they're retailing at 10 euro each. Which is quite reasonable. There's over 80 exercises in it, and games and tips for coaching. And as I said, we kept it local. There was a Fergal McCabe was the graphic designer from the dog, and Peter Cairns and Anglo Printers printed it from here in Drada. So, okay. uh, look again, it's just something a project that took legs, and we're like, like it's great to see it going and uh, being well received. But um, just just something that. Um, through legs, man, you know. I suppose, like, if you're educating coaches, and the better educated coaches you have, the better, like, better football, the better players you're going to produce. So it's it's brilliant, and fair play to you, it's credit to you. Now, come here, that, that's brilliant, right, what you're just saying, because, um, like, that's my theory in the, in the whole thing, right? Um, 
if if you if the club and the coaches right are upskilling themselves, like their end product is going to be a more skillful player, more tactically aware player, a better decision maker, and ultimately that's going to benefit your club and it's going to benefit your county. Now that's long term thinking, and unfortunately not everybody's prepared to sort of think long. They want everything instant, you know. Yes, yes. But yeah, that's that's the theory behind. It. And Premier, I've learned so much down through the years from coaching manuals, from coaching courses and stuff like that. And like, I mean, look, again, it's just, I'm into that. Not everybody's into that, you know that way. But um, if you're just a coach that's kind of looking for general ideas, there's there's lots in there for you, you know. And as I was saying, I I mean this in the greatest respect, it's written by a dummy for dummies. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, Colin, thanks very much. Please understand. Thanks very much. Uh, Gaelic football game-based training activities with Colin Alley. I think it's a, if, if if half the information is in the book that we've talked about there, it's it's well worth getting. Um, I suppose there's one more question, Colm, uh, that everyone would give out to me <laughs> if they don't ask. There's a vacant man- loud manager's position. Uh, what what's your uh, final word on it? Well, my final, well, not, I haven't really given it much thought to be honest with you. Like um, last year when it was available, um, I was kind of thinking about it myself, but. Um, I actually felt I wasn't ready for it, you know, and I think it's a huge, huge step. I, re- I do think there should be a local man doing it. Um, my choice, I would love to see Colin back in there. I, I think um, he kind of, like, you need a loud man who knows football inside out. And I think, I think a loud man always brings that passion because when when you're defeated, being a loud man, right, you go home and you're feeling it, you know, same as the person that's watching, the same as the players. You know, I'm not so sure that if, if you're not from loud, it hurts you as much. And I think it hurts you, you do something about it. But from my point of view, I, I'm very happy with the Catalan, a very progressive club. Um, I think Division 1 in Dublin, I've seen the Championship in Dublin, is, is, is very challenging. And I'm enjoying the challenge at the minute. So I really didn't give the other one any thought, to be honest with you. So, so not yet. It's a not yet, maybe. Not yet. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Colm, thanks very much. Thank you. So there you have it, um, an insightful um, chat, an interview with Colm um, about his book, um, Gaelic Football Game Based Training Activities. It just shows the chat there, you can go on for hours and hours, it just shows the passion the man has and he's a man that's on the top of his game and a nice insight to loud as well. If you've any feedback from yourself or Colm, um, you can tweet me directly and uh, um, at We Are Loud and We Are Loud on Facebook and at Column Nally um, on Twitter as well. C O L M N A L L Y. The book is in fact sold out now at the moment, so it just just shows the interest and demand in it was there and is there. Um, but you can still uh, order put in, put in your orders at a uh, Gaelic Football Training Manual at gmail.com. Thanks a million to call. Thanks for yourselves for tuning in. It's a bit of a break from the championship. Um, podcast but it's still nice and a super interview with Colm and thanks again for listening to We Are Loud podcast